The scripture reading for today comes from Luke 6, 27 through 38. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pause and pray as we approach this text. Father, the passage we're looking at today is not hard to understand, but it's so hard to do, and so we approach it humbly, um, just declaring to you our need for your Holy Spirit to shape us and fill us with power and with faith. Would you do that even as we look to your word in Christ's name? Amen. So this passage that Will just read for us, this is a portion of a sermon that Jesus preached early in his ministry, and in these verses, Christ is calling his disciples to follow a path of radical love for other people. This is a call to radical love. And to break this down, I, I want to look uh, at three things. I want to first look at the object of this love, the object of radical love. Then we'll, we'll talk about the nature of this love. And then finally, the motivation for loving this way. Another way to say that, I want to talk about who we are to love, how we are to love them, and why in the world anyone would want to do this. Okay, so first, the object, the object of radical love. In this passage, Jesus describes three kinds of people that he expects his followers to love, right? He talks, he talks about mean people, he talks about needy people, and he talks about sinful people. So first, he, he tells us that he wants us to love people who are mean to us. Verse 27, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. So he's, he's, talking, about, he's talking about anyone who through their actions or by their words uh, brings pain or sorrow or humiliation 
into your life. He says, I want you to love your enemies. Now, I'm not sure who comes to mind for you when you think about your enemies, all right? But many of the people who first heard Jesus preach this sermon, they would have immediately thought about the Romans. You see, about 90 years before Jesus began his public ministry, a Roman general named Pompey had conquered the city of Jerusalem and subjected the entire land of Israel to Roman domination. So the Jewish people were a colonized people. They were, they were forced to pay taxes, exorbitant taxes, to their conquerors. Um, Jewish families were, were just frequently cre- mistreated, brutally mistreated by the Roman soldiers who occupied their lands. Their goods were stolen. Their women were assaulted. They, they, just, they lived with this continual threat of violence hanging over their heads. The, the Romans were their enemies. And Jesus said, I want you to love them. I want you to love mean people. Secondly, he says, I, I, want you to love, I want you to love needy people. I wonder if you have anyone in your life who is a needy person, and, and maybe you know what I mean. Seems like they're always in trouble. Seems like they always need help. Seems like the only time they ever call you is when they want something from you. <laughs> you, you know the, the type. Jesus says, love them. Verse 30, give to anyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. He says, if, if, if they ask for your coat, you give them your shirt as well. He says, if, if they, if they want to borrow money from you, don't expect repayment. He says, even though they might never even think of doing anything to help you, he says, I want you to help them. I want you to love them. So he, he's telling us, I want you to love mean people. I want you to love needy people. And then he, at the end, he says, I want you to love sinful people. Verse 27, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So he's talking there about, I guess you would say, people who are moral failures, people who have done something wrong. They made made bad choices. They made selfish decisions. They basically have ignored, you know, basic rules of of human decency. And, And maybe you know someone like that. Jesus says, I want you to love them. So this is the object of radical love. Basically, he wants us to love hard-to-love people, the meanies, right, the needies, the sinners, people who are hard to love. He says, that's, he says it's easy to love people who are easy to love. That's not, anyone can do that. He said, if you follow me, I'm calling you to radical love. I want you to love those who are hard to love. So that's the object. Now, now how, how are we supposed to love these people? What is the nature of, of radical love? Well, I want you to notice that Jesus here is not talking about feelings. He's not talking about your emotions. He does not, he does not say, love your enemies, feel good about those who hate you. Have warm, fuzzy thoughts about those who curse you. I want you to be filled with tender emotions when you think about those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, I want you to smile and feel happy inside. That's not what he's saying. And isn't that a relief that he's not talking about our feelings here? How, but how, listen, how unfair would it be to, uh, 
tell someone who was abused as a child that they're supposed to feel good about their abuser. He's not talking about feelings. What is the nature of radical love? What does it look like? He's talking about actions. Radical love expresses itself in actions. Um, The version of the Bible that we have printed in our our programs is from the New International Version. You'll notice if you look at that, that in the NIV, the word feel appears exactly zero times in that passage. The word emotions appears zero times in that passage. The word do appears ten times. Throughout these verses, Jesus keeps telling us what he wants us to do. I want you to do good. Uh, Do good. Do pray. Do give. Do bless. Do forgive. Verse 31, do to others what you would have them do to you. So he's talking about what I want you to do, and he also tells us what he wants us not to do. He says, do not condemn. Do not judge. Do not withhold. Do, do, Do not demand. Never once does he dictate to us what we're supposed to feel. And, and, and this, is, this is important. Sometimes, I think very often the reason we, get, we have such struggle with this is we try to operate in life with a basic misunderstanding of the nature of love. We think that love is something you're supposed to feel. John Lewis, the uh, civil rights activist who became a politician, died recently. John Lewis was the first person to be beaten unconscious of those who marched across the, uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Here's what John Lewis said. He said, we were trained in nonviolent love. Nonviolent love. And then he said, do not think that that is some kind of mushy thing. Love love is not some kind of mushy thing. Radical love is expressed in action. And it might be that some of you here today, you you just need to kind of unburden yourself of an unbiblical expectation that that God wants you to feel good about bad people. It's hard to feel good about bad things. And, And rather than focusing on your feelings... I think he would say, I want you to focus on your actions. Bell Hooks, the, uh, the feminist author, as far as I know, is not a Christian, but she, under, she understood this about love. She said, she wrote this, think of love as an action rather than a feeling. Her working definition of love was this, love is the will to extend your, oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual Growth. She wrote, love is as love does. Love is an act of the will. That's what Christ is saying here. He's not saying you have to feel good about people who oppress you. He's not saying you have to be happy when people slap you in the cheek. He's saying, I'm calling you to a radical commitment to action. Now, someone might object and say, well, doesn't that kind of, che- doesn't that kind of cheapen the meaning of love, I mean, just to go through the actions of helping someone if I'm not really feeling it inside, doesn't that cheapen love? Well, maybe it does, but I'll tell you what. If I were drowning in the middle of the ocean and I wanted someone to love me in that situation, I wouldn't care what they're feeling. I would want them to help me. I would want action. So the object of radical love, Jesus is calling us to love 
really hard to love people. What is the nature of that? How do we do it? He's calling us to love them with our actions. Now, before I go on to the third point, the, the motivations for loving this way, let me just call a little time out here because I, I want to say something that I think is important to, to remember about reading the Bible in general. Whenever, listen, whenever you read the Bible, a portion of the Bible, you always want to interpret the passage that you're reading in the context of the whole of Scripture. Right? In other words, you, you allow other parts of the Bible to inform your understanding of, of the portion of the Bible you're looking at. And this is important here. Um, none of us, I'm sure, none of us would want to tell a 10-year-old child that Jesus wants her to turn the other cheek and submit to the man who's abusing her. None of us, none of us would want to say that, and the Bible would not want you to say that. Romans 13 would suggest that in a situation like that, God wants you to pick up the phone and call the police, right? To, in other words, to allow the authorities that God has appointed to deal with the evildoer. And, and uh, when Jesus says in verse 30, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. In, in the context of the Bible, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have just some healthy boundaries, in, in your life, in the way you interact with others, right? Um, you can have boundaries. First, First Thessalonians says that churches should not give financial assistance to, to, to people who could work, but they're unwilling to look for a job. He says, don't help them, right? First, First Timothy says that churches should not help people who are unwilling to ask their families for help first. So the Bible does teach healthy boundaries in dealing with others, right? So just a little, little uh, detour. We want to always read things like this in the context of the Bible. That being said, when you read this passage, be careful that you don't automatically look for loopholes, excuses, why I don't have to love that person today, and this person over here, I don't have just don't automatically run looking for loopholes, loopholes to let yourself off the hook. Listen, if there ever was an individual whom we might have excused from having to take this passage seriously because of the way his enemies treated him, it would have been Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, Martin Luther King, listen, his life was threatened, his home was bombed, his, fam his family was harassed, he was thrown into prison, he was called every racial slur in the book. But in 1957, Martin Luther King stood in the pulpit of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in, in Montgomery, Alabama, and he preached on Jesus' commands to love your enemies. And he, let me just read what he said in that sermon. He said Jesus was very serious when he gave this command. He wasn't playing. He realized that it's hard to love your enemies. He realized that it's difficult to love those persons who seek to defeat you, those persons who say evil things about you. He realized that it was painfully hard, pressingly hard, but he wasn't playing. And we cannot dismiss this passage as just another example of exaggeration to make a point. He said, this is a basic philosophy of all that we hear coming from the lips of our master because Jesus wasn't playing. He was serious. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Jesus said, 
pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you. And he was serious. It's not easy to do, is it? So how, how might we motivate ourselves to do this? Well, um, two motivations are listed here. Two, two truths that could just perhaps drive you to want to live this way. And the first is faith in the promises of God. Did you notice that Jesus makes some promises in this passage? He, 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 makes, he promises that God will reward people who radically love, hard to love others, right? So you see this promise in verse 34, verse 35. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, Jesus says, your reward will be great. That's a promise. You see more promises in verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Jesus says, I promise. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. I promise. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Another promise. You see more promises in verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So God, again and again, Jesus gives these promises. He says God promises to reward those who step out on faith and love people this way. And one thing to notice, in this passage, Jesus does not limit these rewards to the age to come. Right? He, does, he doesn't say, love your enemies, then your reward will be great in heaven. I'm sure it will be, but that's not what he says. He just says, love your enemies, then your reward will be great. So he seems to be saying that even in this lifetime, if you step out on faith and you, you spend yourself on behalf of others, he says, God will enrich your life. I don't think he's talking about financial riches, do you? I, I think he's talking about something far more valuable. So let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever known someone who, you know, they weren't perfect, but they basically lived their life this way? Have you ever known someone who's just large-hearted, generous, Open, open to help others, just always, you know, they, they, uh, always willing to open their door, always willing to, to share their table, always willing to help people in need, always willing to, to invest time and energy in others. Have you ever known someone like that? If you have, I bet their life was a rich one. I bet it was. Not, not rich, perhaps, in money, but, but rich in friendship, rich in joy, rich in community, rich, rich in a sense of purpose. Have you known someone like that? Let me ask you another question. Have, have you ever known someone who their life was the opposite of this? Stingy, selfish, always keeping score, always holding back, always keeping their options open, always afraid that if they help someone, they, they might be taken care of. Have you known someone like that? Listen, in my experience, people who live that, that way, they are the loneliest people in the world. Their lives are the emptiest lives in the world. Right? So, so Jesus is saying, God, listen, God promises. You step on out in faith and you do your best to, to, with your actions to love, hard to love people. 
God says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When, when you are generous with your love, heaven itself is just generous in enriching your life. So one thing that could motivate us to do this is just faith. I trust, just say, I trust God. He's not lying to me. I trust, I trust his promises. I want a life that is rich in relationships. So Jesus, help me to live that way. So one thing that could motivate us is God's promises. Second thing is God's grace. Um, Verse 35, Jesus says, love your enemies. And then at the end of the verse, he says, then you will be children of the Most High because, look at this, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's the way, you know that's the way God is? God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Verse 36, he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Christian, do you know that your father in heaven is a, he, he is a father who loves showing mercy. So, a, listen, why, why should I be kind to people who are ungrateful? Because I'm ungrateful. God is kind to me. Right? Why, why, why should I show mercy to the wicked? I'll tell you why. Because I'm wicked. God shows mercy to me. He gave his son for me. Why, why, why should I forgive people who don't deserve it? Because I don't deserve it. And God's been forgiving to me. You, you, you see, a key motivation for living a life of radical love towards others is just this awareness. Are you aware of this? That God has shown radical love to you. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's just knowing God's grace can empower you to love. I I was reading uh, recently of a woman whose husband left her for he left her for another woman. He divorced his wife, ran off with uh, his affair partner, and married this other woman. And then this, this man with his new wife went on to have several children with her. Several years later, this man found out that he was dying of cancer, and his second wife, the mother of his children, had a very serious mental condition, and she would not be able to raise them. And when the first wife heard this, the jilted wife, you know what she did? She adopted those kids and loved them and raised them as her own. And I'm sure people said, are you crazy? You're, you're going you're gonna to adopt and raise the children of the woman who stole your husband from you? Why would you do that? Here's what she said, and I quote. She said, I accept them as a gift from God and receive them as Jesus received me. See, that's an example of radical love. You cannot do that in your own strength, but what empowered her to do that was grace. So what can motivate us to to, to live this way? Well, here's radical love. Guys, Jesus calls us to love the unlovely, not with our emotions, with our actions, knowing that God will enrich our lives if we do this knowing this because we have tasted of his grace. Let let me close with one more um, quote 
again, from Martin Luther King. These are words that he said um, to his enemies. He said this, To our most bitter opponents, we say, Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We, we cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. But throw us in jail and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we shall still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We, he said, we shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. Now here's what thrills me about that. That's what Jesus did for us. He, he came to those who were his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet still he loved us. He, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Yet still he loved us. He was oppressed and afflicted. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Yet still he loved us. He we placed a crown of thorns on his head. We spit in his face. We nailed him to a cross, but he wouldn't stop loving us. And with his radical love, he didn't just win a battle. He won us. Believer, he won you to himself. So when we hear this call to radical love, you've come to know Christ and trust him, you're an object of that radical love. The one who calls you loves you. Amen. Let's pray together. As we go to prayer, I, I just want to, before I pray, ask you to close your eyes with me. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit maybe to bring to our minds um, maybe there's someone that God is calling you to love. Maybe this is somebody that you just have decided not to help, and the Holy Spirit is just saying, I want, no, I want you to help them. Or someone that you've struggled to forgive, and this is going to be hard, but he's saying, I want you to forgive them. Or someone who's so unkind to you, maybe it's not even safe to be around them, but God is saying, I just, I want, I'm calling you to start praying for them. And if, if he's, I don't want to force this, but if, if God is bringing someone like that to mind for you today. Um, I want to invite you to pray with me, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to fill us with this radical love of Jesus. Father, this is really scary to think about 
loving people who might take advantage of that or might hurt us. And we do want your wisdom and we do want proper boundaries, but if, if, they're, if you're calling us to love or forgive or pray or bless, just give us this assurance that you are with us. You're not asking us to do this alone. You love us that way. Your spirit fills us. So I, we just want to hear and accept your calling. We need your help to do that. But call us, show us, teach us how to love as we've been loved. For Christ's glory, amen.